Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Hi and welcome to Freedom of Species, we're a show that brings animal advocacy to the airwaves of 3CR Community Radio. Before us you heard a replayed show of Out of the Pan by Sally, and Sally will be back very very soon with new shows, and in the meantime you can check out any shows you missed throughout last year via the 3CR website. So today on the show, we're going to be welcoming a new team member to the Freedom of Species team. Um, Yeah, very nice to have you as part of the team. Welcome, Meg. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, Nick. And yeah, I am Nick hosting today. And yeah, Meg is someone who's been on the show quite a bit, but probably not for a while, but um, was regular guest and was always um, great to have you on as a guest and now as a, a more regular member of the team. So today we're going to talk a bit about, I guess, um, Meg's journey and thinking about animals and animal politics and other politics and how they intersect and, and we'll, we'll see what we get on to. But uh, I guess I want to start things off with talking about um, your journey thinking about animals and that could be about, it could be about eating or not eating animals, but it could also be about, um, I don't know, uh, animal experimentation in high school or it could be about direct interactions with animals, that kind of thing. But um, how, how is your thinking and and actions around animals evolved over the years. Yeah, I had to think about this um, when you when you sent me the show notes, and I wanted to actually start um, right what I think is at the very start. When I was a child, um, it's all about for me. This journey is about widening my circles of compassion, essentially, and it starts before I became vegan. It starts when I, for the first time, and I think for the first time with any kind of. Uh, questioning what adults did uh, my I don't know who took me to you know some adults in my life took me to a circus that had animals in it mm. and I was quite young and uh, around me everyone seemed to be having quite a fun time and it was an interesting thing and I, this is the first time I ever remember having this wrong feeling in my gut mm. Something was wrong and I didn't think it was right. And I remember looking around at the adults uh, that were with me and the other adults that were in the audience and and thinking, these people think this is okay. I don't don't think it's okay to do this. I don't think this is funny at all. Uh, And I think that that was what actually started me on the journey to start thinking about the way we treat animals and the way that we interact with animals. Um, And of course, I was a child. It wasn't something that I could really elucidate on, but it sent me on a pathway that basically meant I was questioning a lot of things. And I I began questioning a lot of things at a young age uh, in my life, but that was one of them. But that was, it was a marker in my life and that wrong feeling in my gut led me to ask those questions. Mm. Um, And so that's where it really started 
But I um, I actually became a vegan um, around this. I, I've been vegan for over a quarter of a century now. And um, so this is my 26th year. I was vegetarian before that. Um, but my circle of compassion didn't properly widen to include non-human animals um, until after I was vegan, actually. I went vegan for ethical reasons. However, my ethical reasons were all about the fairness of food distribution and uh, human uh, needs and wants and rights. So my focus was on humans at that stage. But I think through veganism and through being exposed to the vegan community and through actually not eating animals and seeing them as something to be used in, in any way, I actually developed that widening of compassion in the proper way that it should have occurred as a as a you know as a young kid and when that started. Mm. So that for me was essentially my journey. The widening of compassion to include non-human animals was something that occurred after my veganism where I think a lot of people it occurs before um, their journey to veganism and that's actually often a a thing that they do to actually uh, live by their philosophy to turn vegan to make sure that their philosophies align with their actions. Yeah, and the the, the circus example was was one where I, I purposely didn't make the question specifically about veganism because I think for yes. a lot of us, in a way, like that sort of thinking or questioning dominant attitudes and practices towards animals um, starts well, like before we go vegan and then yes. vegan later on is more just putting those uh, ideas we maybe have had for a long time in terms of our direct interactions with animals uh, into, into practice in terms exactly. of... Of, um, yeah, in, in terms of our consumption and, and those kind of issues as well. But um, yeah, I thought that was interesting as well that you mentioned that you were not vegan for animal reasons, but then once you were vegan, you sort of started thinking about animals as well. And there's actually quite a bit of academic literature along those lines as well um, in that as a you know, animal liberation activist, I was always a bit critical of messaging around like health veganism or eating plant-based for health and those kind mm. of things. And no, the real thing is animal liberation, but I've become a bit more, still not an argument I make, but I've become a little bit more um, positive or at least neutral towards that because there is a lot of literature that says that basically once people enter vegan spaces, even if the initial spark was actually to improve their health or maybe the environment, a lot of people then are exposed to um, animal rights ideas and then that becomes the primary reason is, is generally why people stick with it longer because maybe while you're looking for vegan recipes or supporting eating plant-based for health reasons, mm. you come across those ideas. So I guess that's just one example of that, of it wasn't the primary reason, but you ended up that way, I guess, from being being exposed to those ideas once you became vegan. Yes. Yeah. I do have to emphasize, though, that my being vegan and becoming vegan and vegetarian was an ethical issue for me. Mm -hmm. It was definitely yeah. not yeah. something that was health-oriented, although that is also now a large part of my life. Mm. Um, it was definitely ethically oriented, just a different angle from what most people come into it with. Mm. Um, and there is a saying, uh, you, you go vegan for one reason, you stay vegan for 100 reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, and I really think that that's applicable to so many people. Mm. And also, uh, when people people go vegan, um, it's all about stepping in and as an individual contributing to the normalisation of not eating or using animals. And I think, you know, however however you come into it overall, oh, I'd just like to point yeah, out, yeah. we have a third co-host. <laughs> she might be uh, quiet. <laughs> your maybe. lovely dog, Moo Moo, who I've been giving butt scratches and becoming best friends with. So just speaking of uh, non-human animals, uh, we do have a co-host and you probably will hear her. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, 
it, it's all about normalization of not using animals. Uh, and there is a saying, and, and I think this really applies to the evolution of um, veganism within our society and our attitude toward, towards animals. Um, I have no idea where this comes from. It's, it's just a general saying and I don't know who quoted it. Um, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. Mm. And everybody who steps in and makes a conscious decision to think about the way we treat animals and to put their, act, to put their thoughts into action steps in and starts to normalise the idea that animals are not there for us in whatever way they're doing it. I personally think anyway. Mm, yeah, and I, I think that the the vegan movement has gone from the ignore stage to the ridicule stage. And I, I, I'm actually a bit more optimistic. I think that we've actually gone to the fight me stage. True. Oh, yeah, I yeah, think true, that yeah, we're there. Yeah, 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 I guess, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just kind of thinking, and this is probably, you know, probably going back a while, but I'm just thinking about the in TV shows, like the butt of the joke often used to be the vegetarians and now they're the vegan. Oh, and that's yes. an example. <laughs> like in, in the past, it would be, oh, we don't want to bring in a vegan because then we have to explain what veganism is, mm-hmm. la, la, la. And now there's been that progress where it's like, okay, everyone knows what a veganism is. Even yeah. if the portrayal is not positive, I do see that as some sort of progress in terms of ridicule, but maybe we've even Absolutely. gone beyond that as well. Yeah. <laughs> we can't be yeah. ridic- ridiculing the run-of-the-mill vegetarian anymore. No, We've got no. to have something a little bit more extreme. And, yeah, yeah the ve- I mean, honestly, I think it's brilliant. I mean, the more you lampoon vegans, the, the more fun you make of them in pop culture, to be honest, the more that term comes out there and the more it's normalised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then someone that might spark a conversation. Oh, aren't you a vegan? They were making fun of you guys. I'm like, well, actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind it at all. Yeah. And I think another interesting thing about the, again, not going vegan primarily for animals, but but for other concerns, um, I think another sort of thing, again, from the kind of more academic side of things is that one reason why people um, don't support animal rights is because they eat animals. And so once people are not eating animals, uh, even if it's not for animal reasons, it kind of takes down that barrier and you kind of look at the issue more objectively because you're not directly participating in it as well. So it's kind of easier to set back, oh, do I actually agree with this? But when you're currently eating animals, it's, it's sort of harder to take that step back, I guess, as well. Most definitely. If you're actually contributing to the practice that you have to analyse and break down your views about, there is a very uncomfortable situation you put yourself in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, I, and honestly, though, I mean, if you think about it, everyone who wasn't born vegan or vegetarian has had to go through that and put themselves in that uncomfortable position. Mm-hmm. And every one of us who put ourselves in that uncomfortable position and started to question the status quo on this and other issues that we might have, you know, um, predetermined views on that might not necessarily be the whole picture or might be incorrect – I think that we came through the other side and I think I honestly think that everyone can have those uncomfortable conversations and we do have to have those uncomfortable conversations to move ourselves as individuals and to move society as a whole forward. Um, And, you know, I would definitely encourage anyone who's listening to this show or who has friends who perhaps they think might be um, amenable to listening and confronting uh, some of the biases they have to listen to freedom of species and to challenge themselves to actually ask those uncomfortable questions you know, to their own selves and have that discussion with themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there, there have been academic studies where they, you know, t- 
talk about animals and animal rights, those kind of things, while people are eating animal products and that their views are much more negative or much less receptive. So there are those issues of uh, cognitive dissonance, those kind of things. But also getting back to the example as a um, as a kid and objecting to the use of animals or not feeling right about it, the very least of animals in circuses and those kind of issues. Um, yeah, I, I guess I had um, two questions about that in terms of yeah, becoming vegan. Did it kind of take you back to those things about thinking about practices and attitudes towards animals um and yeah i guess the other thing was i guess when you originally went vegan was it more a dietary thing and then when you started thinking about animals as a big issue as well as the food justice then did the other things come in then or you already thinking about leather and uh, yeah animals and circuses and those kind of issues as well I think like most people, uh, the first thing we concentrate on is the food. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I am always up for a challenge. Uh, I'm, I'm always trying to push uh, push myself and perhaps push myself into uncomfortable situations and get out of my, out of my comfort zone. Uh, back when I became vegan, I knew no vegans at all. Mm. I, had n- I don't think I'd ever met a vegan. Uh, I did have quite a number of vegetarian friends. Who were unfortunately my biggest critics? They somehow um, quite felt quite threatened by me taking another step. Mm. Um, so yeah, the very first thing was the food, um, and I have to say, the first week I did it, I failed miserably. I I went back to it probably a couple of months later, and then it stuck for mm. the rest of my life. But um, but of course, you you start to when you go to buy things and buy products, that's when you start to question it. It's like, why am I if I'm not eating these things? Why would I buy leather? Mm. Why would I buy cosmetics with animal products in them, etc.? That was to me a natural extension. There was no barrier between what I ate and what I used in my home, on my face, what I wear. Mm. Um, that was hard for some people to reconcile, but for me that seems the most logical thing. And unfortunately back then we didn't have as much access to books and the internet mm. to to disseminate these ideas. So I had to come up with these philosophies myself. And I think making that in line with basically what the, the vegan ethical lifestyle is um, – it, it seemed to be the most logical thing. Mm. If you eschew animal products and if you, um, you know, you do not want to have them in your life as a as a compassionate thing, how could you sit there and buy new leather? How could you, you know, use cosmetics tested on animals or had animal products in them? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it was a gradual thing. I, it was so long ago, I can't remember the exact process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was definitely it was definitely a, a continuum. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that social side of it is really important. I know myself, I I was sort of heading towards veganism as a vegetarian, but it was only actually when I met other vegans that I, um, yeah, went vegan. I think a lot of people have that same experience and I feel like, you know, it's it's hard to make generalisation because everyone lives in different communities and has different access and those kind of things. But mm. I actually feel like overall, perhaps the the social issue might be the number one barrier more than the practical side of it because there there is increasingly vegan yes. products in chain supermarkets and yes. and those kind of things. And so yeah, again, I I do think that all the you know vegan guides and vegan product lists and all that kind of stuff are very important in terms of that practical side. But I think even if you've got that practical information that the the social side is probably a, a quite a, a difficult one, which maybe we sort of tend to overlook a bit in yes. the vegan movement. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Uh, we're social creatures mm. at our, our core. Uh, back then when I went vegan, uh, I had two stumbling, quite large stumbling blocks for me. So one of them was the convenience of being vegan. It mm. was not convenient at all. Mm-hmm. And the other one, again, as you mentioned, was the social uh, aspect of it all. Mm. Uh, nowadays, the fantastic thing is, as you mentioned, uh, being vegan from a practical aspect, buying the products, being able to eat out, uh, you know, doing all of that stuff – it is essentially in at least larger cities and places where there is a larger population been removed, but then we come to the societal uh, and the social uh, ramifications of it. If you are surrounded by people who eat meat and think that's normal, mm. uh, you are going to feel left out. You are going to feel like you were the odd one out. I was very lucky because from a very early age um, – you know, just speaking from a non-sort of vegan point of view, I was an atheist from the age seven because I'd started questioning these things. Uh, and that whole questioning led to this, you know, this whole journey of me, for me. Um, and I was actually okay with being the odd duck. Mm-hmm. I was okay with thinking this and, and going towards this path. But a lot of people aren't for various reasons. There is no problem with with finding it difficult uh, to feel included when you do or or have a philosophy that's different to, to most of the people around you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think, um, yeah, myself as well, When um, I think that for a lot of people or just for everyone, I think it's easier to be in the majority and as much as veganism has become more normalised, numbers of vegans are still fairly small from any, uh, any reliable study I've seen on it. So, yeah, as much as veganism, like the term is kind of everywhere and is more common and is in pop culture and is in supermarkets and the rest, you are still in the in the minority so yeah i think it kind of takes either that attitude of like i don't care if in the, if i'm in the minority which i definitely getting into punk rock music and that kind of thing i kind of almost <laughs> celebrated that by exactly. the time i went vegan so <laughs> it, i was kind of less concerned about that as well um but also again those who perhaps have a, a, you know, a sister who's vegan or a friend or a partner or whatever it might so be much it makes a big difference yeah yeah absolutely uh, we better go to a song. So the first song we are going to start off with um, is The Brown Snake, uh, and it is by Thelma Plum. Memories, but 
out my new music show, The Vibe Consultant, starting on the 2nd of February. For all things music, different themed episodes, and what's going on locally in terms of music, art, and culture. Tune in every Thursday at 3pm. Welcome back to 3C, Welcome back to Freedom of Species on 3CR Community Radio. We uh, are introducing Meg to the Freedom of Species team and um, talking a bit about her animal journey and um, politics and all, all animal politics, all those kind of issues. So I'm going to start off with a question which I have um, stolen or isn't a marge to uh, a podcast called Which Side. Uh, it's it's one of those podcasts that's either finished or on infinite hiatus. Uh, it's a, a, it was a vegan anarchist podcast podcast that uh, I used to listen to and was a guest on and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, one of their questions they had um, for their guests, um, who were always part of sort of vegan or anarchist kind of um, spaces movements, was one thing you love about the animal movement and, and one thing you hate or would like to see less of or critical or anything like that. So we might start, um, kick that off, I guess, to get into some of your animal politics. Yeah, sure. Uh, Let me start off with the one thing I love because I think that's probably the most important thing. The one thing I love about the animal movement is the endless well of compassion that so many activists have for uh, the animal kingdom and the animals within it. Um, If you look at, I mean, I'd like to point out rescuers here. I think rescuers are the unsung heroes of, of the animal activism world. Uh, so, so many people who take on um, rescued animals that need help, uh, that need care, that need homes, they do so to the detriment of themselves. They are so focused on caring and kindness. They're giving so much to to the animals and, and sometimes that can unfortunately result in burnout and, you know, it can be to the detriment of their own health, etc. But it seems to be that it is so important to them to show kindness, to extend our circle of compassion outwards and to help these individual animals that I feel like if we could grab that kindness and turn it into some form of energy, we could have endless renewable energy from mm-hmm. <laughs> from just the kindness that these people have. That's definitely some one of the things that I absolutely love about the animal rights movement. Yeah. Um, when we move on to one of the things I hate, it's probably um, mostly it's the um, the 
a structure of hierarchy that often assembles within organisations or within loose groups that can often turn quite toxic and exploitative. Mm. And uh, at this point, I'd have to say, um, you know, it's often centred around um, uh, male leaders as well, especially in the last couple of years, Uh, male leaders who perhaps their focus isn't so much the animals, but perhaps their own um, agenda, whatever that may be, and their own putting forward of their, their themselves. Um, that that centering of the people rather than the animals within the movement is a phenomenon that's only been really happening um, probably in the last ten to fifteen years with the advent of social media and the and the AR personality, the rise of the AR personality through social media. Um, Whilst that has its benefit, I think that there's also some very significant drawbacks. That's probably the most important thing that I'd point out. Yeah, yeah. And I guess to, to stick with the, the first one you mentioned, I definitely agree about the, the people who sort of have that direct care for animals. Um, I guess with with veganism, it, it's obviously for the animals, but it's not that it's not as direct a kind of a thing. No. And Yeah, I've yeah. never run an animal sanctuary or anything like that, but even just in, in terms of like rescuing dogs from shelters and that kind of yeah. thing, it is really rewarding, but it is also something that does, you know, can be very stressful, can take Exhausting. a lot of time and, yes. and that kind of thing. So yeah, it is definitely something which um, is a really good thing to do, but also something you have to be very aware of uh, self-care and not doing too much and that kind of thing as well. Absolutely. And shout out to any rescuers that are listening. We love you. We see you. Uh, We absolutely think that what you're doing is fantastic and we care about you. Absolutely, yeah. And if anyone does want to have a a dig through our archive, we did have a show um, from, um, yeah, talk that that I played from um, Bede Carmody, um, who unfortunately passed away in the last few years. But, um, yeah, used to run an animal sanctuary and also worked full-time for Amnesty International as well and and gave a talk around activist burnout as well and um, trying to stay on top of those issues. And and it is, again, such a big issue for anyone involved with sanctuary work and and dog rescue whatever it might be any kind of direct interaction with animals um yeah really important work uh, but also again very very draining i guess in in terms of the 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 negative aspect you brought in yeah i def- definitely see that um to an extent very much kind of on the periphery because i guess i'm not so interested in that stuff so i don't tend to see it so much but um yeah i think like like the internet is is a tool that can be used in different ways and there's definitely people out there who are using um whatever it might be be YouTube and um, social media and in general to you know advocate for veganism and advocate for animals and raise awareness of important issues as well but yeah I definitely have seen the sort of yeah just little snippets of the trend you speak about whereas it seemed to be you know it used to kind of go from like yeah, here's these ideas we have about veganism, here's why you should go vegan or whatever, to sort of merging of promoting veganism and sort of the Instagram influencer culture where it's like if I'm living this really awesome rich Mm. life and I'm vegan – that's going to make people want to follow along or something like that. It's kind of less, yeah, it's sort of this very sort of tenuous connections and it kind of just, it, it kind of just seems like, okay, it's just another influencer who happens to be vegan rather than someone using their platform to, yeah, it, platform to vote vegan. I guess that's the kind of thing you're kind of getting at. Yeah. Yeah. I think also, yeah. um, you know, back when I, I haven't done a lot of animal activism work, but I do uh, associate with people who, who do animal activism work and sort of ha- we have these conversations 
Um, but it used to be in the olden days. Uh, in the olden days, <laughs> back in my um, day, get off my lawn. Um, you know, act- animal activists who did open rescues and they they went and um, you know saved animals in various capacities would often be wearing masks, or even if they weren't wearing masks, essentially when the photos were shown, the photos were the animals in the conditions that they were found in, mm. the conditions that they were found in, all mm. of that sort of stuff, all of the photos and the concentration of the information and getting that information out was literally centred around the animal itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see, I don't know really when the change happened, but, you know, you would see someone basically holding up a camera, running into a farm, but their face was, the, you know, hey, look what we're doing, look mm-hmm. at this, hey, look what I'm doing kind of thing. And whilst that, like, it, it seems like a very subtle thing, mm. but when we turn the focus to ourselves, uh, we tend to find that you get this, um, there's more of a cult of personality, which mm. I have lots of problems with um, when we talk about the pragmatic, you know, progression of, of veganism in society. Um, but then the animals lose the centre. Mm. And if you are an animal activist with the focus on animals, then the focus should be the animals. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and, it, and it's great that there are personalities out there. I mean, one of the personalities I think is probably who's probably doing a great job is Earthling Ed um, mm-hmm. in yeah, his I've conversations with bit. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, making people think he, he is the focus of it, but he's mm. a philosophical person and he's mm. trying to get that out to you. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so. I mean, this honestly could be an entire show, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and I feel again, I've only caught a video or two of Earthling Ed, but it does feel like even though the centre is about him, it's not so much like look at this glamorous lifestyle I leave. Hopefully, they'll follow all. on. It's yeah, more about yeah. it is about him, but it's about him sort of making the case for veganism. In yes. I guess with his what it seems like a bit of a I was going to say trademark, but I guess just with his personality, I guess of being sort yes. of very rational and calm, very calm, rational. yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, yes. which I think does kind of speak to a certain audience as well that Mm. might not necessarily always be vegan like a sort of a rational skeptic kind of audience i imagine he might sort of connect quite well um with that audience and yeah i have heard similar things like back in the early days of the animal liberation front like the movement uh breaking the law on behalf of animals and sometimes rescue animals that kind of thing i've heard there was a real attempt to sort of bring animals back to the center so even when masks were worn for obvious reasons they'd often have like the face of animals on themselves and stuff like that to kind of bring exactly. it back to the animals. But there were then, definite reasons why yeah. they had masks other than centering of the animals, yeah, yeah, as we yeah, know. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. Um, but again, sometimes it can be of like a... Uh, and again, social media can feed into this of like, you know, selfies outside the action and those kind of thing, which again, yes. sort of feed into that sort of human ego more than, um, more than about the animals themselves. Uh, I also did want to get into your sort of non-animal politics and how they might interact with um, animals, your animal politics, that kind of thing as well. So you were previously host of uh, Green Left Radio here on 3CR, which is a a great show, and I definitely recommend that and always enjoy that when I hear it. Um, And I think you've spoken on this show as well about... um, yeah, maybe it wasn't running yourself, but I think supporting socialist candidates in, in elections and that kind of thing. I, or... I, yes, I have supported a lot of socialist yeah. candidates in elections. I've also ran for local council as a socialist. Maybe that's uh, what and I'm The first yeah. on the ticket, yeah, we, we got yeah. her back in, Sue Bolton. Yeah, from, that's uh, what Mary I was kind Beck. of thinking. Of, yeah, 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 yeah. And so obviously that says a lot about your politics, but do you want to um, yeah talk <laughs> a bit about like those sort of politics, but yes. also... Yeah, do you kind of see them almost as two separate worlds or, or do you yeah, see connections there between your animal politics as well? 
Uh, my world is very connected. Um, again, it always it's it's that this running theme in in this episode is you know widening my circles of compassion. I came to veganism um, before I came to socialism, and I'm I'm a socialist. I I do believe that the current economic system that we have, capitalism, is inherently exploitative uh, and oppressive to not only humans but also animals. Um, so. I essentially moved from animal activism and veganism uh, uh, work. I did a lot of advocacy uh, in my earlier years in that that sphere. I moved into uh, social justice, human rights, environmental uh, issues, and did a lot of activism there until until I burned out. You know, which mm. is another a topic for another um, uh, episode. But I see them as all connected. Um, I cannot have compassion for a human. Uh, exploited by the system that I disagree with and not have compassion for the animal exploited by the same system. Mm. Uh, It, to me, is all about – I'm always angling towards kindness. That's essentially my philosophy of life, angling towards kindness, trying to overcome my inherent uh, tendencies to be unkind, to, you know, let my ego rule me, etc. So in my socialist activist circles, uh, my left circles that I have, you know, over the years uh, moved in, you know, we, there is a tendency to have people polarized in those circles. So you will have your, your vegans and vegetarians, but then you'll also have your people who are um, sometimes neutral, but often quite against that Mm. because they see it as uh, Identity, identity politics, essentially. Um, so, you know, uh, there is this thing, and we can get into this later on because I know you and I have discussed this. There is this whole idea that uh, veganism and the ability to be vegan is quite a privileged position. And essentially, yes, if you break it down, um, we, you know, that there are definitely elements of that. However, when we look into it, sometimes when those things are leveled at us, those those kind of accusations of being vegan is being privileged being vegan is a a white privilege that you have or you know that sort of thing we are not going into the nuances of the argument and as you know we're not going into the research which seems to say the opposite Mm -hmm. um so there were definite disagreements and definite clashes um there you know have been instances where my uh i have been forced to some people have tried to make me force me to make a choice and I can see both sides Uh, it's difficult sometimes but you have to basically go along with how you feel and and what you feel is the most compassionate choice Mm. Um, and for me I do not see a difference between the worker who is exploited in the factory and the animal in that same factory who is killed and exploited Mm. we have to advocate for both and if we can't advocate either or then we're missing part of the story, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, you did touch on that that research a little bit, and I will mention that it is from the US, but I feel like it's it's quite relevant because I've heard definitely those arguments in a US context, not just an Australian definitely. context, about vegans being, you know, wealthy, privileged, etc. Which obviously is some vegans, but um, so it was a Gallup poll of 2018, sample of 1,033 adults, so not not the greatest sample size, but. Um, 
It, it did show that um, in terms of the lowest income bracket, uh, those earning less than $30,000 had 4% of that group was vegan. Um, but the middle and highest income brackets, which was 30000 to 74, basically 30000 to 75 and 75000 plus, only had 2% of each of those categories. So vegans were actually most, most heavily represented in the lowest income bracket rather than the middle and the highest, which again definitely does uh, go against that stereotype. There's also an article put a link to as well um talking about increasing costs of living and and someone who stopped eating meat because it was um it was too costly just purely an an economics um decision which again sort of flies in the face of the Mm. argument that that vegan veganism is a thing that's expensive and as you said i think there are elements of truth of course there are expensive product vegan products out there that we can't deny that and i think you've touched on the show before it just popped in my head you were talking about the maslow hierarchy of needs and that's not to say Yes. that poor people can't be concerned about animals or the environment, etc. But it just means that if your basic sort of economic necessities are met, it's much easier to have the headspace to think about issues that maybe don't directly affect you or directly affect you. Climate change mm-hmm. is affecting people, but maybe not as much in countries like Australia compared to low-lying islands that have been more directly affected right now, etc. So it's, it's, just, it's harder to make headspace for those issues um, if you're just struggling with just getting by economically compared to those who are so uh, there's sort of elements of truth to it but i feel like that's it's very much overstated as well um yeah i also yeah you mentioned that idea of like inherent selfishness and i'm probably being a bit of a a nerdy sociologist here but i also wonder oh please keep going i I, love this (laughs) i also wonder like whether we're inherently selfish or whether we're kind of taught to be by the capitalist system as well (laughs) like rather than so many views on this (laughs) (laughs) and the other thing i also want to bring up is you mentioned um identity politics and we actually uh me and a friend lottie did a few summer specials in, in the freedom of species time slot but not freedom of species shows on uh leftist debates around around identity politics but i was curious for more of that are you saying that um those someone those on the left talk about veganism as identity politics um yeah do you mind elaborating on that i was curious yeah, uh, yeah look from the discussions that i've had um it's either identity politics or it is a it's an irrelevant distraction essentially mm. um so i mean i just to explain to people perhaps what identity politics is or what at least means to me is it's when you identify with a particular group, like, mm. uh, you know, if you are a person of colour and you identify with, a, you know, uh, with people of colour, uh, if you're a member of the queer community, you identify with the queer community. Uh, mm-hmm. That's identity politics, essentially. Mm-hmm. And what some people believe is that these identity politics um, niches – tend to draw us away from what the important things are. Mm-hmm. And the important things are about, and, and I agree with this, uh, solidarity, uh, working together to uh, to raise ourselves out of the oppressive situations that we find ourselves in. Uh, and so that working together and that solidarity, some people is, uh, see identity politics as moving us away from that solidarity. Yeah. Uh, and I and I believe that they see veganism as moving us away from that solidarity. Mm. And so that is the key thing that I've taken away from it. Yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I, I kind no. of understand that of, of I oh, guess... I, I don't agree with it. <laughs> like, like vegans could yes. break the world into like vegans and non-vegans mm. rather than, I guess, from a, like a socialist perspective, like yeah. the working class, for example 
or even in general, like rather than just everyone is fighting against environmental issues, it's it's the vegans and the non-vegans. So it's sort of yeah. another kind of classification. So yeah, I, I understand it, but again, I think mm. we can we can be vegan, but also still um, work with campaigns with other people who aren't vegan against uh, fossil absolutely. fuels, for example. It's, or, as, yeah, it's actually yeah. not only allowable; it's yeah. imperative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and also you know, be a vegan, but also you know work with other people within union movements for workers rights and those kind of things so i think it's a bit of a um like a stereotype of veganism or or how vegans are rather than something inherent to being vegan yeah and taking that stance absolutely yeah uh, we better go to another song. So this is one which um, I played because I knew we'd be discussing this stuff. So um, I'm not meant to swear, and the song does contain swearing, so I have to men- mention that. So um, the song is called F the Bourgeoisie, um, which I thought Excellent. was quite relevant to what we're discussing. Yep. It, it is by a musician called Feral. with your parents and they are going on and on about the dumb parents. 
Indigenous president has been overthrown. Support the uprising to protect land and water and fight for a new Peru. Come to our fundraiser, Peruvian food, music and culture, featuring Melbourne's own Amazonian cumbia band, Chicha Yeye, Lockdown Studios, 329 Johnson Street, Abbotsford, Saturday 4th of February at 8pm. Find us on Facebook, search Latin Revolution Peru. El momento es ahora. A 3CR supporter. Green Left Weekly Radio. It's the people's voice committed to human and civil rights, environmental sustainability, democracy and equality. There is one newspaper that is independent of powerful interests and that's Green Left Weekly. It presents ideas mainstream media won't. It exposes the lies and distortions of the power brokers and helps us to better understand the world around us. It's the leading source of local, national and international news analysis and discussion and debate to strengthen the anti-capitalist movements. Tune in every Friday morning at 8am on 3CR. Back to Freedom of Species on 3CR Radical Radio. Um, today we're introducing Meg to the Freedom of Species team and talking a bit about animal politics and politics in general, etc. And we're talking a bit about um, socialism and veganism and animal liberation, etc. Um, I guess I wanted to just briefly go back to that Gallup poll, which I mentioned earlier, 2018 in the US, but it also looked at political ideologies um, amongst vegans. And so basically, uh, in that study, uh, again, US study, um, amongst conservatives, 2% were vegan, moderates, 1% were vegan, and amongst liberals, 5% were vegan. So perhaps unsurprisingly, you know, vegans are much more overrepresented on the liberal, or I guess that would, without sort of getting into specific classifications on the left, that was, I guess, more towards the left of politics, which is perhaps unsurprising based on what everything Meg said about compassion and and those kind of issues. But um, yeah, I, I guess I wanted to briefly look at the other side of that, because I guess, um, yeah, liberal, I guess, sort of people who are kind of socially progressive that might have different attitudes towards veganism, uh, sorry, towards capitalism, I should say, sorry. Uh, and one thing I have found in recent, um, yeah, or I've seen around the place is people making an argument for capitalism um, on sort of vegan grounds in terms of, you know, maybe big companies switching across to vegan products. And I also feel like as much as vegans tend to be more left of centre, at least socially progressive, uh, I feel like sometimes um, arguments for vegan outreach can be framed in very sort of neoliberal capitalist kind of ways in terms of the the market is neutral and people are just making the wrong choices within the free market. And if we just put our money elsewhere, things would go. And it, it kind of sounds like a sort of a neoliberal textbook in terms of the market being a neutral force in society and, and, and those kind of things. And so I guess I would say that um yeah like an economic boycott which i guess what veganism is like it's also sort of a, a social movement and sort of a political stance as well but i guess in terms of the practicalities that is an economic boycott that 
doesn't necessarily have to be pro-capitalist or or kind of framed that neoliberal way. I just feel mm. like sometimes we do, and I guess I I would sort of frame it in a different way in terms of, yeah, it is an eco- economic boycott that like can have some impact, but it's not a, a, again, it's not a perfectly functioning free market. It's not like that. Yeah, again, there's other things going on beyond individual consumption. There's advertisers who create demand for their products. There's um, yeah, corporate control over what is on the supermarket shelves. Those kind of thing so I, I think we can still promote veganism without sort of falling back on those sort of pro-capitalist arguments but um yeah do you have any views on that as as a socialist about <laughs> i guess being pro-vegan but also not trying to frame that in in a way that sort of e- even if it's not explicitly done that way in is in a way that sort of supports capitalism i guess yeah mm. yeah um so many views <laughs> uh let me first say that look it, it there is Absolutely, an element of progress that is that happens with uh, vast corporations and businesses switching over from animal exploiting products to products that don't es- exploit animals, i.e., that don't use animals, the ingredients, etc. There's definitely that. That def- that definitely is an element to the progress of our society towards a kind of planet. However. Uh, I would argue that what we know of capitalism essentially is that capitalism is inherently exploitative. And that's the take home from this. Capitalism is inherently exploitative. And whether that exploitation is of the factory worker who gets paid a a pittance uh, to work long hours in very dangerous conditions in 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 a job that is not secure or whether that is exploitation of an animal who gets sent to a you know a huge who is raised in a factory farm and then gets sent to uh, slaughter in a very inhumane way because it is treated as a unit of production rather than an individual the capitalist structure is exploiting both of those creatures both of the human and the non-human and we are essentially seeing this system uh, try to down there's there's downward pressure on freedoms and rights and things that you know we we want as human beings and if there's that downward pressure on humans who have a voice who can potentially use avenues of uh you know of strategy to fight back against that oppression how do you think capitalism is going to treat the animal with no voice and no means to fight against this entirely exploitative system And when you talk about uh, products that don't use animals, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. What about the, uh, you know, what about the company that makes vegan products but then pollutes the rivers um, because they can get away with it because the fine for them polluting the rivers is actually less than the the cost of them getting rid of this uh, waste, this highly polluting waste legally, Mm. uh, which is an actual thing that happens. Um, You know, exploitation is not just about what we put onto our plates it's how we treat the planet and corporations time and time again have proven that they don't actually care about trying to minimize their impact they're all about money Mm. and so they do put vast amounts of waste into our rivers and our oceans they do create stupid loads of plastic to you know that sits in our our environment for generations and gets into our bloodstream and is found in babies placentas and in the milk of dolphins in the ocean uh these things are part of the system. 
they cannot be removed by simply making vegan products. It's mm. like asking, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, it's like asking Dracula to be in charge of the blood bank, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think there's... Like occasionally, I think I, I'm, I'm specifically thinking arguments around the vaccine of like because something makes a lot of money, therefore it's inherently bad. I don't think that's necessarily true. Like for example, obviously it's possible to make money out of bananas, and that doesn't make bananas unhealthy. But at the hmm. same time, I guess the problems with capitalism is that that profit motive is the number one thing, exactly. whether it is a, a good or bad. And yeah, occasionally, yeah, again, companies can be making money out of products that probably do more good than harm, but also. So it's also can be very profitable to make money out of products that do more harm than good, for example, fossil fuels, animal agriculture, etc. And I guess to sort of build on your example there as well, I kind of think of the example of a vegan McDonald's. Like, would Mm -hmm. I welcome it if vegan is so McDonald's says exactly as it is and just switch over to vegan? So they've still got like beef burger, but it's like mock beef and they've Mm -hmm. still got chicken burgers, mock chicken. Would I welcome that? Yeah, I, I do think that would be better. But would that end the problems with McDonald's? Not at all, because workers are still being yeah very poorly paid and exploited um disposable packaging is going to be damaging on the environment and and so there's kind of like the animal issue is one issue within the food chain but it's it's not the only thing going on i guess so it's yeah again i don't think we need to at all reject corporations moving in a a plant-based direction but we also need to acknowledge that that is not the only problem with these corporations as well exactly and it's only part of the solution yep yep absolutely uh we've only got a few more minutes left so i want to hand it over to you for any final thoughts and this can be ideal years you'd like like to explore in future shows it can be anything more about um, capitalism and veganism which we've been talking about or if you'd like it can be about um, maybe how we can have better connections between animal movements and other movements i'll hand over to you for the last few minutes for whatever you'd like to finish with Absolutely. Um, firstly, I'd like to say thank you to all the listeners. Uh, anyone who's listening in, um, you know, if you're vegan, well done. That is absolutely fantastic. You know, if you're looking into veganism, if you're listening to this episode to challenge yourself and to challenge the beliefs that you currently have, um, you are absolutely welcome here as well. We need we need everybody to have the uncomfortable conversations with themselves. And this, for me, I know personally, will always be a, a lifelong endeavor. I will always need to question my beliefs. I will always need to question my preconceived notions about the world. And I will always need to listen to those with different experiences to me. And uh, by doing by listening to this podcast, this this episode, um, you are essentially challenging yourself to to listen and understand to to you know people who are having a, have a different philosophy and a different outlook on life to yourselves. Keep doing that. Um, to the vegans, the same thing. Please keep listening to others who have different views uh, on other things, uh, social justice, uh, you know, people who speak from experience uh, when they talk about oppression uh, in in various forms. Um, we constantly have to have these uncomfortable conversations and we constantly have to, once again, it comes back to widening that circle of compassion. Um, so for vegans, sometimes that circle of compassion is essentially focused on animals, widen it out to humans. I know humans can be terrible. Believe me, (laughs) I know they can. And for the people who are focused on human compassion, widen that out to animals. I know that can be hard. I know our society is geared towards the exploitation of animals. But challenge yourself. Either way, whatever you're doing, whatever your beliefs are, challenge yourself, go out of your circle of comfort, and in in its essence, try to be a kinder and more thoughtful person uh, by engaging with others. 
Yeah, that's a nice note to finish on. And yeah, I think hopefully we've got this through on the episode. I feel like focusing on one social justice issue doesn't take away from another one. In fact, they're often very much interrelated. And yeah, we need to address them all. Uh, so that's all we have time for today. You can check out all of our previous episodes via 3cr.org.au forward slash freedom of species or search us on your favorite podcast app. You can also get in touch with any feedback. Our email is freedomofspecies at gmail.com. You can also connect with us on social media. Uh, we're going to finish up with this song, which doesn't necessarily relate to what we're discussing today, but it's just a song, uh, song that um, Joe, the music coordinator here at 3CR, sent to me uh, based on some of my um, Rotations music show, and Rotations is coming up, so stay tuned to that for hear some new music. Um, but the song is Hey There Boomer, It's Not Okay by Urban Cafe Crew, um, and it very much has, and again, it's sort of all about generations and the kind of, I guess, like the references you'll get depending on your age um and it does have a very much a blink 182 all the all the small things kind of vibe which uh, some of our younger listeners might not get that as well um <laughs> but it um yeah it's a follow-up to billy joel's 1989 track um about not starting a fire and it sort of goes that song sort of finishes 1989 this song goes from 1989 to 2022 so i guess some of our listeners can well some of our younger listeners in particular if we have them um can uh can kind of see at what point they start getting the references <laughs> it might say something about your age that this song anyway so we're going to finish up with that one um yeah thanks again for joining me today Meg. Yeah, that Berlin Wall, it had to fall. Golf war hacks all keeping score. Nothing watch free, pale blue dot scene. Web changes things forevermore. Grunge, Macarena, Hubble now clear. Waco and the Rwanda fear. Beanie Baby Care, Rachel's hair, baseball missing for a year. Hey there, boomer, it's not okay. Others are forced to pay, you didn't stop decay, yeah. And Gen X, don't you turn away, forget all Billy changes, focus on today, yeah. So, walk to Hong Kong, Lara Croft strong, Dolly's a clone, young princess gone, Ireland's peace win, deep blue grin. John Glenn going up again Some Nasdaq hygiene Charge our beans stinks What you can not what the experts think Tiger wings slam, my pod looks glam The worst ever September day Hey there, boomer, it's not okay Others are forced to pay, you didn't stop decay, yeah Gen X, don't you turn away Forget all Billy changes, focus on today, yeah Don't know where trees are, Amazon scars Oprah is giving away cars Katrina was rough Rosa left us Glad your courage caught that bus GFC, Fanny and Fred made Doss lost dreams Boomers, they love their Ponzi schemes Pluto gets banned, breaking bad fans Nuka 
3CR podcast, produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.